Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. To optimise lifetime reproductive performance of the Australian sheep flock, it is vital to identify the key stages of the reproductive cycle where improvements can be made. This will of course be different for individual flocks. A key management tool available for producers is pregnancy scanning, which can be essential in assisting with the appropriate management decisions required to make reproductive gains. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Dr. Sue Hatcher to explore the importance of pregnancy scanning as a tool to improve reproductive rate. Sue is a director of Macon Outcomes, an independent research and consultancy company based in Orange in New South Wales, specialising in development and delivery of national livestock training programs, data analysis and reporting, scientific reviews, change management and technical editorial services. Sue is also deeply passionate for the sheep and wool industries. Her diverse research portfolio includes genetic improvement of wool production, wool quality and reproductive performance, wool processing, wool meteorology and fibre identification. Sue also has key interest areas in breeding, new management, lamb and weaner survival and wild dog predation. Welcome, Sue, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Thank you, Fiona. Sue, what are the main considerations for improving reproductive performance on sheep farms in Australia? So in terms of reproductive performance, I think we need to have a target or we need to have a key metric to work with. And that is what I call net reproduction rates. So that's the number of lambs weaned divided by the number of ewes joined. And the key things to optimise and to work towards that in our, our target is um, condition scoring, pregnancy scanning and wet and drying your ewes at marking. So why is pregnancy scanning so important for improving net reproduction rate? Well, it's just one of those key pieces of information that producers can use to make better decisions on their farm. And one of the important things um, with preg scanning is it gives people a target. So for that that individual um, year and that, that year for your flock, it really sets that lambing potential. So whether your scanning performance comes up as 150, 170, 120, that gives you the benchmark to work towards for the rest of the breeding um, the breeding cycle in the sheep and it also gives you a way of um, benchmarking your performance in terms of number of weaners and, and number of ewe hoggets coming up to their first joining, how that relates back to that lambing potential. It's back to that lambing potential. If a producer has been routinely scanning for a number of years, they're obviously collating some really valuable data that's very specific to their flock only. What can this information tell them about individuals in their flock and how will this affect their management decisions going forward? Yeah, that's a great question, Fiona. So 
what the, the scanning data tells them is it really gives them an overview and shows them that not all the animals in their flock are the same. There's different performance, even though all the ewes are running in the same, same nutrition and that kind of thing. So what it can tell us is it can really identify those, those dry ewes in the flock, the ones that aren't getting pregnant, um, and they're the ones that if they stay in your flock, they're competing with the pregnant ewes for your resources. It also allows them to identify what I call the super ewes, the ewes that just within the same flock with no extra nutrition or anything, they just routinely get pregnant, have multiple births and manage to mother and, and, and successfully wean the multiple births. So that's another important thing too. And you can also start to, you know, by getting rid of those dry ewes or the weather ewes and maintaining the super ewes in your flock, it really gives you a chance to consolidate those improved genes um, um, through future generations. You've identified three really interesting groups there. Let's talk about them a little bit more. So let's go for the dry ewes first. What makes the decision on when they're removed from the flock? And once they are, what reproductive gains can be made on net reproductive rate? So even though reproductive performance itself isn't a very heritable trait, it's actually quite repeatable, particularly from the ewes point of view. So what we know from um, research um, that's out in the in the literature, is that um, what a ewe does when she, you know at her first and second joining, so at two and three years of age, is a really good indicator of what's going to happen later on. And we know with dry ewes that when they're dry at two and three years of age, their later life reproductive performance is never going to come anywhere, you know, up up to par or up to average. And so what you can do then is you don't need to um, cull them entirely from your flock, but you want to take them away from your breeding flocks. So they're not competing with your pregnant ewes for resources. Now you can run them as dry sheep to you know, manage the grazing program with worms, which I know will be an issue coming up now for the areas that have had some rain. Or you can just run them as dry sheep and, and um, uh, use them as wool cutters or even just sell them for a bit of extra cash flow. But the important thing is, is to identify them if they're dry twice, they're not likely to get pregnant and do any, you know, they're not likely to get pregnant and really contribute to your breeding flock going forward. So it's best just to take them out and concentrate your feeding and available feed on the ewes that are pregnant. Absolutely. With the resources as scarce as they've been in the last season, that's certainly uh, important. Definitely. The, ne the next target group that you identified is obviously your top performers, which I love your term is your super ewes. How do you determine what is a super ewe on your property and then how do you manage them? Well, this is where you've got to start, um, I guess, tying in the pregnancy scanning information with your wet and drying at marking, because what you need to do is you need to identify the ewes that do get pregnant, also those that are rearing their lambs. So I've actually made a really strong point of saying you need to do the wet and drying of the ewes at marking, because what we've found in the research is these super ewes, they're actually the ones that tend to wean their lambs early. So because their lambs are bigger and they've grown more and they kind of tend to wean themselves a little. So what you need to do is you need to do that determination of wet and drying at marking because if you leave it until weaning, those you might actually mistakenly class a super ewe as one that hasn't reared her lambs and, and make the wrong decision. So you want to combine your scanning information with the wet and drying at marking and to really identify those super ewes. And also when you're doing the wet and drying for the ewe that you're going to keep, it's really important to really to assess her udder and make sure she's really sound in the other teeth and feet and then make a decision to keep her for an extra year or two years in your flock because you know she's going to do the job for you and to um, continue to produce multiple births and rear those lambs to weaning. 
Um, so that's you want to select them and keep them in your flock. And then I think for those older ewes, um, once you've made the decision to keep them for an extra year or two years, you just really need to up your management and manage those exactly the way you would um, as a twin bearing ewe. So Sue, the dry users have obviously lifted our net reproductive rate. Um, keeping these super ewes must do the same thing. Um, how much can keeping your super ewes lift your net reproductive rate? Well, if we, if we just think about the dry ewes again first, if you just take the, the dry ewes out of your flock, that can give you a gain of net reproductive rate by 4% within five years of starting it because you have to you get a bit of a lag because they've got to be dry for the two years. So that can get you a 4% increase sort of by five years. And then once, and if you decide to go the next step and identify and keep your super use, that can generate you an additional gain of 7% within 10 years on top of that um, 4% from, from getting rid of the dry use. So by doing both, you can generate gains of, you know, up to 11% in reproductive rate just by getting rid of your twice dry use and, and keeping, you know, half of those super use for an extra year or even two years if they're still sound. Yeah, that's huge gains for managing those two different cohorts. Last thing you mentioned there was genetics, and I'm assuming that's both for the you and the lamb. Is the ability to make net reproductive gains as high looking through genetics? Well, look, from a genetics point of view, it's not going to be as high because we know that reproduction traits are really lowly heritable. You know, they're not nearly as heritable as the key, you know, flock productivity traits like weaning weight and, and fibre diameter and fleece weight. But that doesn't mean you, you're not going to make any gain. You will make some gain. It will be smaller, but it will be a continual small gain over time. So you might make a, you know, a half a percent or a quarter percent gain, but you'll make that every year. And so um, it's it's kind of like the slow path, but it's the benefits you're going to get with each year along that slow path. So Sue, each of these groups influence net reproductive rate individually, but I suppose it's better to look at it as a cumulative effect, isn't it? Oh, look, that's right, Fiona. So you can you can optimise your management of the breeding um, cycles from an annual point of view, and you can optimise, you know, your, the selection of paddocks and how you manage your single and twin bearing ewes and your lambing paddocks, etc. And that'll give you a gain in net reproduction rate. And then if you, you know, get rid of your dry ewes and manage and retain your super ewes, that'll give you another gain on top of that. And then if you also look at using ASBVs for reproduction on your RAM and also the ewe side, as more information is becoming available through sheep genetics, you can make those gains again. So each of these individual groups of gain will all um, accumulate um, to give you a much greater gain if you do all three things in your flock. Thanks, Sue. Look, we've spoken briefly about nutrition. Um, I'd like to go back there. How can we target nutrition to optimise our net reproductive rate? It's, it's really important and pregnancy scanning gives you the information you need to do that because we know that in terms of energy requirements per day and also protein requirements, for energy in particular, the requirements of a dry ewe is about seven megajoules per day and it doesn't change you know, throughout the year. But we know that from early pregnancy, the energy requirements of single bearing ewes starts to increase. And then definitely from mid to late pregnancy, those four twin bearing ewes increase again. So it's really important to make sure that you have the nutrition in front of those single and particularly twin bearing ewes to make sure you can achieve the lambing potential. And that means, you know, really matching your um, 
pasture supply with the ewe requirements by targeting specific paddocks for those different groups of ewes. But of course, if you're in an area that's still in drought, that's really super important too, because if you're paying you know, the high grain prices that are currently out there, you want to make sure you're getting optimal use of that grain and really targeting it towards those animals that need it the most. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And there are a couple of key practices in the life cycle of the sheep that affect reproductive performance. I'd like to sort of look at a couple of them now, Sue. Firstly, length of joining varies quite drastically throughout flocks within Australia. How important is length of joining to really optimising net reproductive rate? Look, it's really important because we know that there's differences um, between um, using their propensity to cycle at different times of the of of a different ovulation cycles. So we know that a, an ovulation cycle in sheep is about 17 days. And we know that in the first cycle, you know, set three quarters of your ewes and your mob are going to cycle. And um, sorry, three quarters of the ewes and your mob will conceive during that first um, ovulation cycle because about 6% of your ewes will be in estrus each day. Now, as you move into the second 17-day um, cycle, the percentage of ewes and estrogen each day is going to decrease and further as you move into the third phase. So the extra gains you're going to make drop off pretty quickly. Um, so that's one factor. But on the other end of the cycle, by having a long joining period, it means that your lambing period's extended and then it means your weaning period's extended. So you end up with a long tail and a long variation in terms of lamb and weaner growth and weaner weights. And that can be a really hard thing to manage. So by really tightening up that joining period, it means you're not going to have that length of duration of lambing. You're not going to have that length of duration of um, and the spread in weaner live weights, which makes a much easier thing to manage. Would also no doubt help with the recovery time for those ewes right at the other end of the life cycle. So the target in another target in the life cycle is obviously our time of weaning, which you just touched on there. What are the implications for the time of weaning and how does it affect net reproductive rates? So the weaning time is really important because it what it does is it gives your ewes enough time to recover. So if you've if you've matched your um, your breeding cycle to your pasture cycle, the time of weaning is about, and, and sort of the period between weaning and the next joining is generally when the pasture availability is low and it's of low quality. So what you need to do is you need to give your ewes enough time to recover lost condition. All ewes, particularly twin bearing ewes, are gonna lose condition over lactation. Um, and so we need to give them time to recover that condition. Now, if you have a, if you have a like a lengthy weaning period, that's just cutting down the time at which those ewes can recover condition. And we know from the economic analyses that were done as part of um, the Lifetime U project that the longer joining, the longer recovery period you have, then the more economical it is to get that condition and the more effective to get that condition back onto the ewes so they have a really successful conception next time around. And what, what is the current industry recommendations for length of joining and time of weaning? So for length of joining, it's, you know, it's it's around the five to six week mark, but generally, you know, you don't want to go anything anything above that. So five or six weeks of joining really covers those first two key 17-day um, estrus cycles when most of you use will get pregnant and most of them um, will be in estrus in any day. 
Um, and if, if you have a shorter joining period and you couple that with uh, culling your twice dry ewes, what you'll do is you'll actually kind of do some indirect selection. So you'll actually be selecting for ewes that actually do cycle and do get pregnant in those first two, two Easter cycles anyway. So that's a bit of an added benefit. So in terms of time of weaning, the industry recommendation is about 12 to 14 weeks. Um, we know from that, the data, the data shows us that really most lambs will have effectively weaned themselves by then. Um, and so they'll just be competing with the use for pasture. Plus you have that issue of um, sort of worm burden transfer as well. So really, you know, 12, 14 weeks maximum is perfect for weaning. Pregnancy scanning certainly gives valuable insight into flock performance that can be used to drive key management decisions to make some serious reproductive gains within flocks. So I'd like to thank you, Sue, for sharing your knowledge with us today and joining us on It's Time For You. Thank you, Fiona, my pleasure. enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.